Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus looked at the rich young man and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Mark 10 verse 21. The end of this story tells us about ourselves. The rich young man's face fell and he went away sad. He couldn't do the very last thing Jesus asked of him. What's holding you back from totally committing to God? Is it the power in your job? Is it your love of food or shopping? Is it your creature comforts or your financial security? This week is the last Sunday in the church year. The feast is called Christ the King. When we reflect on the kingship of Christ, what do we learn about the meaning of the kingdom of God? Our priest said the kingdom of God is not the church, although the church can be part of it. The kingdom of God doesn't refer to heaven either, and this could be viewed as heresy by those of us who imagine some otherworldly kingdom, not in the here and now, but in heaven above, a place removed from us, somewhere to go after death. So if it's not the church, and if it's not heaven, then here comes a teaching that I've heard and meditated on for years. The kingdom is right here with us on earth. It's where God acts and intervenes powerfully and decisively in human history and where he's been allowed to reign. The kingdom exists where God is allowed to reign. Do we allow God to reign in our hearts? Just because we do good doesn't mean God reigns in our hearts. Maybe we pride ourselves as being better than anyone else. Do we balk at taking orders from anybody else? See American in the dictionary our priest quipped. If Christ is our king, if we've pledged fealty, we must re-examine whether or not we're true citizens of his kingdom, the place where his will comes first. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNanee. My guest this week is Jessica Bowman, a young homeschooling mother with a heart for the mission field. I'll be talking about my really busy week, the exhaustion of wedding dress shopping, entertaining, concert going, late nights and the rediscovery of the missing hours in my days. I'm drinking coffee on this Black Friday with a piece of Bakewell tart for my elevenses, although I should still be full from yesterday. Have a bit of a sit down with me for an hour and enjoy my American life with a British accent. First off, how was your Thanksgiving? We had the whole family with us, so it was a feast for the soul as well as for the belly. I'll tell you more about it next week once the dust has settled and things are vaguely back to normal. But I do want to share something with you that I've started to do, which is very rewarding. Years ago, I began occasional journaling in a little blank paged booklet. The absence of lines was uninhibiting. I could draw, I could write in circles literally, and I could colour outside the lines because there weren't any. My youngest daughter and I each did our first one before we left for England. We chose a theme, only happy entries or entries that worried us or that we were worried about. And we did it for a set amount of time, a month or six weeks or maybe only a week. 
We loved our journals and I completed two of them, then forgot about the process during my gap year. Then I heard a teaching on gratitude and how grateful people are happier because they find the positive in the most negative moments. People that are irritants become channels for the practice of patience, for example. Being overly full from dinner like yesterday can turn into gratitude of having food readily available and the choice to eat as much or as little as one desires. So I started my new gratitude journal a couple of weeks ago and found it to be seasonally seasonally appropriate for this time of year when we consciously remember to be thankful for our blessings on at least one day. How about being thankful for three days or 30 days or 300 days? One of my gratitude pages centered around the cold weather and the need to bring some of my outdoor plants inside for the winter. I didn't want to ruin the spaciousness of my office come yoga room come tea shop with loads of water craving plants. I turned my moaning into gratitude that I had a space to harbour my plants when they needed shelter from the cold and ended with the hope that I will be rewarded with winter tomatoes. (laughs) Which leads me to another kind of reward that I experienced last week. I was so busy, every time I looked at my calendar, my heart sank, and I wondered how I was going to get through it with all the other stuff that I usually do. I had to schedule my blog writing into bite-sized pieces and amazed myself at how I could efficiently pick up and put down my thoughts and musings on demand. I was able to do so much that I astounded myself. Where I normally get to the end of the day and look around and find little or nothing has been done, or that at least I can see, last week I was able to check off what seemed like pages of to-dos with a very satisfying flourish of my pen. It began to dawn on me that there are certain activities where an hour has 60 long minutes into which can be crammed dusting, folding laundry and peeling potatoes, and other activities where two hours fly past in the blink of an eye, and all I've done is write a half a page of passable prose. Max Lucado has written a book called Living in Your Sweet Spot, and in it he challenges us to go back as far as we can into our childhood to discover what it was we used to do that had us so focused we lost track of time, a place where before we knew it, hours had passed most pleasurably without us noticing. This, he said, was our sweet spot, a spot that diminishes with the growing demands on us when we reach adulthood and meet responsibility. His book encouraged me to rediscover my sweet spot, and I had to do some research to truly find it. Now, I not only visit it from time to time, I also find that I can also dare to live in my sweet spot. Reading is where I lose myself for several fleeting hours. I sit down to read for 20 minutes and an hour whips past. During my gap year, writing also emerged, and last week, with all my non-writing activities buzzing around me, I was rewarded with what seemed to be hours of additional time on my hands. Amid my busyness, I sat down to write a quick blog, knowing I only had a few minutes, 60 to be exact. I sat down happily, and literally a minute or two couldn't have passed before I caught sight of my digital clock and found myself to be out of time and verging on late for my next appointment at a wedding dress boutique. Now I understood. I spend eight hours a day sometimes writing a real live wordmonger, and I lament that I don't have time to do anything else. Rarely do I have something concrete to show for my diligence that feels so sweet Nothing to check off my accomplishment list. Writing never makes it to my to-do list. Or nothing to admire like sparkling mirrors or fluffy carpets. Or even to feel like aching muscles from a brisk walk or a bike ride. 
My days fly by because I live them utterly in my sweet spot. I can't help it. Once I sit down and write, everything else is forgotten. I love it so much. Last week had me worried. I thought I'd be so frazzled and rushed with all my unusual activity that I wouldn't enjoy myself or I'd miss some of my appointments. But I didn't. I felt satisfied that I'd fulfilled everything I'd set out to do, including a little bit of writing and a little bit of reading. I found my extra hours. Now I need to make them work for me on a regular basis. Back to the Benedictine rule of balance. And I did have a balanced week. Wedding dress shopping was unique and immensely satisfying, if not incredibly expensive. Dawson and I have promised to go for fun one bleak midwinter day when we need cheering up, but for now, it was all about my prospective daughter-in-law, my PDIL. Her mother was in town for the week, and off we went with one of the bridesmaids and my daughters to keep the mood young and modern. Each dress she modelled was more beautiful than the last, if that's possible, and PDIL quickly found that she didn't like startling white, and fell in love with a style of dress completely different from her original choice. The three days we spent looking ended successfully with a purchase and a dreamy dress quite different from her vision. Our zookeeper's son, the fiancé, was out of town during most of this busy week, and my Texan and I took on the responsibility of making sure his prospective mother-in-law, M.I.L., was well taken care of. I knew how we felt in England when we appeared to be neglected by family and friends on our fleeting visits in the past. So we went out for dinner at a trendy pizza place which had been featured on drive-ins, diners and dives and ate the Delia pizza with bacon marmalade. Mm-hmm. We went to the Wind or the Dallas Wind Symphony at our gorgeous symphony hall and thoroughly enjoyed the John Williams programme they put on. The conductor, who was as energetic Jetic as Leonard Bernstein was a superb showman and had a fabulous rapport with the audience. We heard music from E.T., The Terminal, Jaws, Harry Potter, Star Wars, Saving Private Ryan and many others, including some Sousa-like marches, which he dedicated to all the veterans in the audience. The concert began with the national anthem and we all rose and sang the Star-Spangled Banner. A first for me as an American citizen, it was a fairly civilised affair. We invited everyone over for dinner and champagne and had a chance to talk about the wedding planning a bit. We bit the taboo stick and talked about money. We didn't exactly get a budget figure but we did suggest it was up to the bride's family to make the call and then up to the happy couple to come in under budget. Our dinner was reciprocated a couple of evenings and several hundred wedding dresses later it seemed. We saw a lot of each other, and I know our fiancé son, missing in action until Thanksgiving, was well pleased with us. And you are going to love my guest this week. She walks the talk concerning what we as Christians are called to do, surrender. I found Jessica Bowman on Twitter and read her posts on faith, the institutional church, and how her generation, my children's peers, are turning away from the church they grew up in for various reasons. Some of them, unlike their boomer parents, are sadly not going back after settling down to marriage and having children. Jessica has been married to her high school sweetheart for more than 12 years, and together they have four children whom they've crossed oceans and continents with. After the break, we're going to be talking about her extraordinary life, which she finds very ordinary and oftentimes hard. So get another cuppa and come right back. 
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Welcome, Jessica, to my show. Thank you for having me. All right, Jessica, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. We are a family of six. My husband and I have four children. Uh, he spent eight years in the Air Force, so we've sort of moved all around, but we are currently in Canada. Okay. So, and you homeschool, did you say? Yes, yeah. I do homeschool. Okay, so you homeschool your children. And while your husband was um, in the Air Force, did you get to travel with him? We did quite a bit. Uh, we moved several times. We lived in Tucson, Arizona. And we lived in Germany for a few years, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, we lived in California. We lived in Maryland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so we we crisscrossed the world quite a bit. So you weren't one of these um, military moms that had to stay home while your husband got to go away? No, I've never really understood that. I mean, if he's going to Germany, you know, I want to go to Europe. Exactly. Who would pass that up? Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, so what did you like about Germany? Oh, it's beautiful, and there's so much culture. I mean, all the typical things you would expect. Mm-hmm. You're so close to, to so many historical things, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and you, I like the people. <laughs> yeah, and you lived on a – did you live on a base, an Air Force base? We did in the beginning, but um, in the end, we ended up moving off into a little German village. So we got – my yeah. daughter went to German preschool back then. It's oh. called German kindergarten. Yeah. So and uh, yeah, we loved it. And did you learn German while you were there? I did not. My husband learned quite a bit. I got very acclimated to it. You know, you pick up more than you realize mm-hmm. um, to get by with. But I definitely didn't become fluent. <laughs> and and your daughter, she went to kindergarten. So does she come home speaking German? She picked up a little, but I don't think she has her father's gift for languages okay. because most children fully immersed that way, I'm told, learn a lot. And she yeah. really didn't learn as much as I expected her to. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was great. Um, I was born in Germany. My my parents were in the um, military at the time, and I was actually born on a British um, base. And I was there until I was six, so um, I know 
how beautiful it is and, and, you know, what it's like to be in a different country. And Germany is really a, a beautiful country. All right. Um, so you've been all over the place and gradually added to your family. So now you have your four children and um, your husband's no longer in the Air Force. Tell me um, what happened. He, he retired or had finished his, you know, sort of service Yes, he he did not retire. He did two tours Mm -hmm. um, or contracts, and we just really didn't feel like he was meant to go career. Mm -hmm. We just really felt like we had other things in our future. So after his eight years were finished, he he just he separated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, where were you at that time? Uh, We were in the Washington D.C. area Mm -hmm. um, in Maryland Mm -hmm. for our last assignment. Yeah. And uh, family, where did you grow up? Uh, we're both from Georgia. Okay. And I grew up down there in, in the southeast corner of Georgia. My husband, he was a missionary's kid, so he sort of grew up all over. All right. And so that's where you um, went once you'd finished um, with the Air Force. You went home to Georgia? We did. We went back home. We were there for a little more than three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we... And, yeah, we just really felt led to go back down. Yeah. And uh, you were in Georgia when you had you, – you've had this missionary call mm-hmm. the two, the, and the two of you together. And so during this time of you being married and traveling together, a lot of stuff has gone on with you and your relationship with God and your relationship with each other. Sure. And, f- and finally, together, you came to this um, sort of realization that perhaps God was calling you as missionaries, or how did that work? Um, really, it was always there in the back, even from the very beginning of our marriage. We always both had a feeling that it was it was in the future. It was in the one day. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after, you know, about nine years of marriage, we finally realized that the future was getting a lot closer. Yeah. <laughs> and we finally just reached a place where we felt um, that it was time to start taking the steps that we were getting, we're getting ready. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we started actually pursuing it more. Right. And I know that in my church – when people think that they're being called as missionaries, they have opportunities and they get supported by their church um, to go and do mission work. They might do it here in America or they, um, one of the churches that I know um, is affiliated with Mercy Ships. So, they, you know, we'll send a couple of people off and to serve time on the ship in Africa. Um, but I know that at some time, you and your husband became disillusioned with church, the institution, not church, the, the body of people. So tell us about that and how, how did that, that's kind of taken away a group of people that could support you. So t- tell us about why you decided um, to pull away from your church and then how you were able to, on your own, you know, go off and, you know, sort of, seek this missionary calling that you have? Yeah, such a huge question. Um, we we originally applied within our denomination because our, our home denomination has a huge organization for mission work. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's very competitive with the economy and different things these days. So we, we ended up not being approved with them. Oh. And uh, we had... 
just a couple of bad experiences, uh, not being really supported within the church and, and, uh, you know, we have felt this pull towards the, the simplicity and the power in the early church and exploring that more. And, um, yeah, and, and some of it's very cultural. It completely depends on where you live. And at the time, we were in the deep south, which is a whole different church culture mm-hmm. than if you live in California or Maryland or some of the other places we mm-hmm. live. So mm-hmm. um, we battled a lot of legalism down there and, and stuff like that, which caused us to, to want to pull away a little more mm-hmm. from the institutional church while we were down there. Yeah, and so you did that. You pulled away from your church, but it didn't mean that you pulled away from your faith. You you carried on exploring and and um, praying, obviously, and you stayed very much within your faith. You you didn't choose to go to the organized church within four walls. Definitely, I mean, we we were a part of a couple of different churches when we were in the south, and eventually we did pull away and we home churched for a while before we moved. Um, no, I mean, but it wasn't a question of abandoning Christianity, you know, it was just that desire to, to go to the, to the roots of it, to the, a more pure manifestation of it, hopefully, and just looking for tearing down and weeding through the traditions and finding the, the substance, you know, mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know on your website you've got some you've listed some reasons as to why you decided well why why you don't like the church and they're very very you know sort of basic and and good reasons and one of them I noticed was the um, expenses you know the church expenses if you go to this massive church I mean I look mm-hmm. around we have a massive church that we sometimes go to here and I think how much is their electric bill? <laughs> and they're replacing their, their air conditioning system. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, that is so much money. Would church be any less in a poorer place? I mean, in Africa, they do it underneath, you know, grass, a grass roof or no roof at all. And if you, you know, you've got the people and the charisma would still be there and it would be still be just as satisfying without all of that. But I suppose our culture dictates something completely different here in America. You know, we have, we do have these churches, there's no getting away from that. There are the bills, but sometimes I think some of that money could well be spent in other directions. Absolutely. And it is cultural. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think, I think our freedom in religion is a double-edged sword here in the first world. And it's uh, it's a crutch in a way. I think it holds us back a lot of times. You see Mm -hmm. the church in, in Asia, how it's booming under circumstances of persecution and and it's all house church movements, you know, and um, I don't think it's a coincidence that the church thrives in that atmosphere. And I think one of the reasons we have such a hard time here is that it's too easy and we're too distracted and we are putting our money in some of the wrong things, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, it's complicated. Yeah, it is very complicated. Uh, sometimes, sometimes I think that people are encouraged to stay in their churches to fight from within to try and make that change. And, I don't think that always that does not always work because there are there are, there's always you know this kind of core group of people that will not change at all no matter how ungodly some of the things they're doing <laughs> are because that's just the way 
it's always been. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find that? I agree. It's just the, it's just the complacency that we live in mm. um, over here. And those sorts of people, honestly, I don't think they're even in the church in those hard to be places of the world where the church is growing so rapidly. Um, Cause it costs something to follow Christ in those places. And yeah. it doesn't cost us very much here. No. Um, so we are more petty and, and have more factions, you know? So where did you get your fervor from? You're young. You know, you're, you're, you're still really young and a lot of young people your age, some of them, when I was in England, didn't even know anything about the Bible and the Bible story. So they were completely unchurched. And a lot of your generation, I think, are. So where did you get that from? Um, who, who exposed you to church as a young child? Well, I did not really grow up in church. I grew up in the deep south, the Bible Belt, where everyone wears the name tag of Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I didn't really start going to church until I was maybe a teenager. Mm-hmm. And that's when I met my husband, and we quickly became married. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely he has been the driving source of um, we're definitely two parts of a whole mm-hmm. as far as seeking God and the most simple, pure uh working of Christianity that we can. Um, and he, he's, I've seen him through seminary and he's, he's here again in Canada going to a new seminary. Um, so he, he trickles down his knowledge to me. He brings home lots of good conversations and books and, and we explore it that way. Mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. I think it's fantastic that I can see in you, um, that God had a plan right from the very start. And, and it, you know, and it happened so young, and you met somebody, and uh, you know, there were no, there was no question of, oh, we have to wait, we finish seminary until we both finish our education, and then get married. You know, you just decided, well, we've met each other, we've decided that we're in love, and we're going to get married, and we're going to start our lives together. And oh, Jessica, I think that's a fantastic story. And <laughs> and do you do you feel that it's a fantastic story? Um, I was just talking to someone today and saying that. Stories seem so fantastic in in writing, but they don't feel that way so much. I mean, um, when I living. am a survivor of teenage marriage, but it's almost made me um, be an opposer of it. Like, it's so hard. It's yeah. very, very hard. So I'm definitely a person now who would caution people not to marry so young. Yeah, Because yeah. uh, it has so many difficulties that you don't think it will have. Yeah. Well, Jessica, we have to go on a short break now. And um, I'm talking to Jessica Bowman, and we're talking about um, her Christian faith and where it's leading her in her life. And we'll be back in about 90 seconds, so don't go far. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Why do I feel so lousy? Why are my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. The author of the book, Help My Body is Killing Me, solving the connections of autoimmune disease to thyroid problems, fibromyalgia, depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better, to make you feel whole again. 
For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live, Monday nights at 9, 10 Central, here on Togginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Right, I'm back and I'm talking to Jessica Bowman and we're talking about um, faith and marriage and her family and we're talking about church. Now, Jessica, you were saying just just as we were going on the break that you were talking to a friend and um, the writing of your life is a lot more um, exciting than the actual living of it sometimes. And I know I have a friend at, um, years ago who said, I'm just waiting. You know, you said earlier, actually, the now. What did you say? In one day, in the one day. Mm-hmm. And um, that never seems to come. And she was very much like that. She she imagined that one day it would be really clear. God would come to her and say, this is what I want you to do for me for your, for, for your life. And mm-hmm. I looked at her and I said, has it ever occurred to you that perhaps you're doing that right now? And she was horrified. She looked at me and she said, I'm not doing anything and I said but you are and I think she was really disappointed she was she almost felt let down and I don't think it's until you start to look back on your life and you start to write some of these stories and you don't have to look back that far sometimes that you realize yes yes God was really there and yes I I am doing the right thing so tell us about your move to Canada tell us what you did because you know what Everybody does not do what you did. (laughs) Um, When my husband finished his online seminary, when we were in the South, he started looking for um, another school um, because career-wise, nothing was um, happening. So Mm -hmm. we thought he should pursue his gifting and um, a further program. And we settled here on Canada. We're here in uh, British Columbia. And uh, quickly we realized we could not afford to move to Canada. (laughs) We could not afford to take anything with us. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we came, we became pretty good at purging from our military service. You know, we uh, were, I'm uh, I'm great at getting rid of stuff. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, once we looked at the numbers and we realized we couldn't take anything, we just, uh, it was a simple decision. We just got rid of everything. We we sold or gave away um, all of our belongings. We stored very few things like with family. And then we packed up our cars <laughs> with as much stuff as would fit in it with the four kids. And we drove 3,000 miles to Canada. All right. So you chose Canada because of the college. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's a linguistic strong college. Is that what it is? Yes, he's in the linguistic program. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was accepted there. And mm-hmm. then did you already have somewhere that you were going to go and live, or did you just go on a wing and a prayer? Um, not when we originally made the decision to come. Mm-hmm. Um, we did end up sort of miraculously getting set up with a house before we actually started driving. I mean, we knew we had something in place 
um, before the move. Um, but, but when we made the decision to sell everything we own, we didn't know what was going to happen on the other end. We honestly thought we were just going to sleep on the floor. Yeah. Maybe, you know, we yeah. thought we'll get sleeping bags. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but uh, God provided a, a fully furnished house for us to rent this year wow. from a family who has gone to Uganda for a year and they've left their house as is. Mm-hmm. So we're just sort of um, house renting, sitting for them while they're gone. So it worked out perfectly. And so did you know these people before? No, it was very, uh, um, I want to say coincidence, but in that God sort of way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, someone who reads my blog lives near here, and when they found out we were moving up there, they contacted me and they said, "Can I help you?" And I said, "Knock yourself out," you know. And they um, very sort of accidentally found this house on Craigslist, mm-hmm. uh, the setup, and they contacted the people and us back forth, and so a relative stranger sort of set it up for me. Mm. And so these people who don't know you and your family <laughs> and did they do they have young children themselves they did they have four children also yeah. um all adopted yeah. um which made it even a more perfect fit because they literally left bunk beds and toys and yeah. things in the house yeah yeah and so they left they, they left the house and all of their belongings to you i mean yeah. it's so, so trusting i mean it's just, just a wonderful wonderful story and so when they come back after a year is it just you don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but something's going to happen. We know that. We know something's going to happen. So Yeah, six um, months from now is a big question mark, but I'm not worried about it. Yeah, so you've been there six months. Nearly. Yeah. Nearly. And how long is your husband's course? Uh, the program is two years, um, so uh, we're looking at maybe being here that long. Yeah, so, I mean, you will probably, after two years, just pack everything up and just get yourselves over to Asia. Is that where you want to go? Yes. We, that's, the, that's the plan. We hope it works out. The plan with no answers. The plan with no answers. Well, one <laughs> step at a time. Come on. Yeah. You know, you just, you know, you know that God's doing this for you. So, I mean, you can just, you, you can just have all the confidence in the world. You've got him on your side. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I, I wish I could do that. But I, the only time I ever sold everything was it was kind of like, I said it would be easier just to sell everything than to make choices. You know, mm-hmm. shall I keep this? And it was just easier in the end just to sell everything. And when I tell people that I did that, they look at me as if I'm absolutely <laughs> crazy because I mean that was twenty some odd years ago, and I I could probably do it again, but I'm not looking to do it again. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty good at keeping things kind of whittled down. All right, so you moved to Canada. You're in. Um, British Columbia, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the weather's completely different. And you've pro- is it cold yet? It's definitely cooler than than back home than Georgia, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, anyway, so you moved to Canada, and you did go back to a church. You decided that you needed community. Mm-hmm. All right. So you're now back in a church, different denomination or same denomination. Similar but different. Similar but different, all right. And happier or are you coming to terms with it and just going, I'm worshipping God my way and this is the vehicle through which I'm doing it and I'm just going to, you know, this this is the way I'm going to do it. Yeah, well, um, leaving the Deep South was 
a huge help. Like I said, the church culture is completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, like you said, we, we needed community. We were in a new place. We didn't know anybody. We needed support. We needed friendship. And, um, and that's the main reason that we did seek out um, a traditional church again because um, I, I don't need a church to worship God. I mean, that's not why I go there. I go for the accountability and the community. and mm-hmm. um, Yeah, and so um, yes. it's gone great so far. I mean, we've met some good people, and they've been very helpful. Well, you said you chose deliberately a larger church in the hopes that you might be able to find some people within that large community that were more like you. And did you? We did, yeah. Um, it, it doesn't sound like a very spiritual method, I guess, for finding a church, but <laughs> it worked out very yeah. practically. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and well, we good. connected with quite a few people. Yeah, well, good. Um and so how do you support yourselves? I, I read some, does your husband have like part-time jobs or is college full-time there in Canada? Uh, college is full-time for him, but we do, we are using his GI bill from his time in service. Mm-hmm. Um, we saved it for such a time as this. It pays for this school and it gives us a monthly allowance. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it doesn't cover half of our expenses, but it's a nice chunk that helps us. And then I work part-time online through mm-hmm. the blogging and virtual assistant work and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And that was that was great, too. How, how did you, you know, have you worked selling your writing for a long time? Or is there something new since you've gone to Canada? How, how has that worked? No, really, um, it's not the writing so much as the skills I've acquired from blogging, just the social media know-how, mm-hmm. a little bit of designing Mm-hmm. experience just teaching myself how to do things for my own site mm-hmm. um, so when we got up here and we realized we were in touch such a tight spot I had thankfully the network in place of other bloggers and friends to just put out the word and say does anyone need any help <laughs> do you need an assistant because mm-hmm. um, if not you know I'm going to have to put these kids in school and go find a job because yeah. I do have work visa um, yeah you, you, so, it came about very organically and very cool, sort of. That um, work just sort of sprung out of the ground when we got here. Yeah, but you do write articles for money, though, don't you? No, I don't oh, get don't? paid for my writing. Uh-huh. I do contribute to several websites, but they're not for pay. So you get your name out there, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that you have lots of comments on on some of the things that you write. So <laughs> you are known in in that particular community. Well, good. I mean, that's fantastic that you're able to do that. I cannot. I can do some of the social media, but I can't do it as well as my children can. And it, it just gets me terribly confused and gives me a headache. But I think if I persevere, <laughs> if I make myself sit down and do a little every single day, then, uh, then I'm getting better at it. You know, I don't like not knowing how to do something. That's, that's mm-hmm. my problem. And I think young people just manage to, you know, you just go into it and it's a natural thing. And you can, we can use it so well for getting the word out and for airing our grievances. And, you know, one of the things about the church and the disillusionment about the church, it's been going on for years and years and years. I mean, in England, hundreds of years ago, being a bishop or a priest wasn't a vocation necessarily. It was a career. Mm-hmm. And so you had people leading whole congregations who didn't even believe in Jesus. 
you know, <laughs> and you're going, what, what, what? And you look, you look around today and it's still happening. Mm. Yeah. And uh, so I think, um, you know, pulling away, coming back, reassessing, you know, especially as a young person. And the two of you are going to be missionaries and you're going to be out there, you know, sort of spreading the word. And what, what if Asia doesn't happen? What if you, what if you have to go somewhere like um, Arkansas? <laughs> are well, you all right with that <laughs> we're i mean we're 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 pretty open and we've um we had a preconceived idea of how quickly we were going to get onto the mission field and that just crumbled and so we realized um just because we know the end goal doesn't know, mean we know the journey <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to get there so um yeah, pretty much every year of our life, six months, a year out is a big question mark like it is right now. Yeah, and you're, so, and you're all right so, with that? You don't mind that insecurity? I mean, both my husband and I are pretty laid back in personality anyway, so that's a factor. And we've just been moving around so much our whole life that, um, no, I mean, it doesn't really bother us to not know what's going to happen in six months or a year. I mean, it can be tiring sometimes, but... We don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. So we're open. Yeah. Like, we know Asia's there someday. Somewhere yeah. it's there. We just don't know all the steps to get there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you'll find them. And um, so did your husband ever go there while his parents were missionaries? Where were they missionaries? No, they were in West Africa, um, oh, okay. in Nigeria and in uh, Ghana a bit. Mm-hmm. He has He has been to India before on uh, a short-term two-week trip before and he loved it mm-hmm. all right Jessica we have to go on another short break and um, when we come back I just want to talk really briefly about um, where we can find you online all right so we'll be back in a couple of minutes how do you handle toddlers teens and tirades when homeschooling that's what we're working on now It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Girlfriend It is on Toginet, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The Girlfriend It principle was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out GirlfriendIt.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Jessica, we're um, back for about five more minutes, and so I would like to um, ask you to tell us first, you've written some books um, your main book is the one about your children, uh, the boys, the wild men. Uh, <laughs> give us the title of that book and tell us briefly what it's about. 
Uh, it's called Parenting Wild Things, mm-hmm. Embracing the Rumpus. And it's a, it's a general short um, book about, it's sort of a gentle parenting primer. Mm-hmm. Um, dropping some of the preconceived, maybe authoritarian notions that you grew up with possibly and mm-hmm. exploring uh, more gentle ways to parent. All right. And then you've written a couple of other little books, I think, that are just on. Can you get these online? Are these real books that you can buy from Amazon? Um, you can buy the parenting book in print on Amazon. Um, okay. The Everything else is just an ebook. Okay. Okay. And you find time somehow. I have no idea. Some, you know, some people have more than 24 hours in their day. I'm convinced of that. Um, you, you obviously manage your time really well. You do that <laughs> as well as your, your blogging and, and, of course, homeschooling and watching and cooking. Some of you need to go to Jessica's blog's uh, website. It's um, Bohemian Bowman. Yes, is that what it's called? Yeah, Bohemian Bowman. Bowman's. Oh, yes, Bohemian Bowman's. And you, you need to go on her site, and I'm going to have it linked on, on my um, radio page, because she has these fantastic recipes on <laughs> how to make her children eat vegetables. You know, they don't know they're eating vegetables because she's done this wonderful thing with them. And beans, beans feature a lot <laughs> on your menu. And um, so tell me about the food. You feel as though you... Um, you know, food arrives literally sometimes on your doorstep. Tell us how that happens and, and what's going on. You've got you've got a site on Amazon. Tell us how to get there and the kinds of things that you need. Well, the easiest way to find our Amazon grocery wish list is to go to bohemianbowmans.com and click on the Support Us page, mm-hmm. and then you'll find a link to Amazon. Um when we moved to Canada, we realized we were not going to make ends meet, but we knew we were supposed to be here mm-hmm. um, on a complete whim, really. I mean, it's one of those God things, Holy Spirit things, obviously, but it felt like a whim. <laughs> I decided to go on Amazon and create a wish list of grocery items, mm-hmm. just dry goods and bulk um you know, cereal and beans and rice and this sort of thing. And honestly, I did not expect anything from it. Um, but I shared it on the blog and, uh, and people love to help. And so we get boxes every single week in the mail of peanut butter and coffee and this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you get more of some things? I, I wanted to, how, can you change your list so that, you know, if you've had nothing but beans for the last two months sent to you, you don't need any more beans so you can take beans off your list? Yes, I've learned that the hard way because you can adjust the priority of things. Okay. And there have been times when I've set a priority high uh-huh. and then forgotten to put it back down. And we would get, like just recently, I have these 25-pound bags of flour on the wish list. And we got like three of them because I, I didn't realize I had set it high. And so people see that the need is high and that's what they pick, you know. Uh-huh. So now I have like 75 pounds of flour, which oh, no. is a blessing. It's all, you know, it just means I can bake more yeah yeah so I have to make sure that I manage the list and change it when it needs changing yeah and so um do you see if if somebody buys you something do you see that somebody has bought you something before it arrives or you don't know until it arrives no I don't know until it comes in the mail and I don't usually know who it comes from I'm not exactly sure how that works that may have to do with how you check out yeah of Amazon sometimes uh, people choose to leave a note. Uh, most of the time it's completely anonymous, though, and we don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
that's a good way of doing it. <laughs> so if you want, I think that's, that's so unique and I think it's a fantastic way to help um, missionaries and um, it's a fantastic way for people out there to tithe. So mm-hmm. um, my listeners, again, I'm going to be linking uh, Jessica's information onto my radio website and um, you can go, you can go there, buy her something. Gosh, Christmas is coming <laughs> up. You can go. And in fact, she, she says, if you just want to go shopping, you can do, you know, you can go buy us whatever you want to buy us and just send it. So her mailing address is there and um, everything's there and it goes to a good cause because they really and truly do need that stuff. So when it arrives, they're going to use it and she puts it all on her blog so beautifully so you can see exactly what she's doing with it too all right jessica we've come to the end of our time together and um, i want to thank you very much i've been talking to jessica bowman author of parenting wild things embracing the rumpers jessica homeschools her four children in british columbia and is wowed by miracles daily she blogs and sometimes gets paid for time spent on her computer um jessica you have a fantastic weekend you too and thanks so much for joining me this morning it was a pleasure talking to you It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, I hope you agree that Jessica and her husband's story is an amazing one. Imagine selling everything and moving across America to Canada with nothing, only to be offered a fully furnished home to live in while its owners spend a year in Africa as missionaries. You've got to take the plunge to watch God uncoil into action. Jessica said to me later, thanks for taking notice. Why don't you take notice and pop over to her Amazon wish list and buy the Bowmans some dry goods? You can find her blogging about faith, parenting and most things in between at her website www.bohemianbowmans.com. There you can also find her books, Parenting Wild Things, Embracing the Rumpers, Pursuing Perspective, Finding Focus in Life's Blurry and Bohemian Bowman's Guide to Beginner blogging. Well, talking about faith, our squirrels in the back 40 have a faith of a very different kind. They're still running around without a care in the world, knowing that their safe, warm chimney tree is waiting for the winter nesting time. In fact, I caught one of them today in our flower beds under the undergrowth right next to the chimney, probably digging digging a really low hole. So I suppose I'll have to alert my fearless cowboy when he comes home. And remember the turtle I told you about the other week? Well, the powers that be at the local parks and recs department are draining the pond where he lives. I went for a couple of walks around it this week and the sludge at the bottom is depressing, especially when I think of the fish and other wildlife lurking in the soggy depths. I have no idea what's going on. There's never anyone on the path to ask. All five men and one woman are gathered at the bottom of the pond in their wellies, stuck in the mud, peering at the pump, disturbing the silence while it empties the last of the water into the creek running at the bottom of my property. There has to be an Irish joke in there somewhere. How many city employees does it take to drain a thriving pond? Well, other things I did during my busy week included a working lunch. It's been years since I've been out for a working lunch. It was awkward with laptops, drinks and salads on the little bistro table, but we still had fun. And I noticed lots of grey hairs, women, not men. Since going startling white, others in my genre seem thicker on the ground. 
My Corpus Christi daughter is seeing more red PT cruisers now that she's going to be the proud owner of one. And back in the day, my mother-in-law's comment that she'd never tell anyone we homeschooled until she found out that there were a lot of homeschoolers in her city. Then it wasn't so bad. We do start noticing things when they become relevant to our lives. Anyway, so I'm noticing all these women with their grey hair and thinking, good for you. Colouring my hair was terribly not me, and it was not me for too many years to say. But now I can proudly boast I am 100% me. What you see is what you get. I enjoyed a delightful evening with my reading group. We're all moving on with our lives. One of our key members is planning on spending at least half the year in their log home in New Mexico, which means our meetings won't be as frequent or maybe not as fully attended. We had the usual good food and fabulous discussion about an amazing book called The Art of Racing in the Rain by Garth Stein. Don't let the fact that there's a dog on the front cover put you off. It's an insightful study of the human condition, and we all loved the nuances and parallels between car racing and living, endurance and perseverance. And I got my hair cut for the holidays and experimented with a little bit of blue highlight. I was going to be a blue hair. And I'm not going to pursue it. I was getting used to the plain old white lighting up the room I walked into. So growing it out or letting it fade out. And my Texan and I hosted our quarterly dinner club with an English theme. For the evening, our house became the awful good pub. No one wanted the kidneys in the steak and kidney pudding, hence the name. We bought a small keg of Newcastle ale, gin and tonic and pims and persuaded our barista daughter to serve drinks from the bar. She complied and was a resounding hit, even scoring a few tips. Food-wise, we did Welsh rarebit, scotch eggs and beef wrapped in bacon. These were the starters, and we always fill up with their yummy deliciousness. By the time we sat down at the table, cunningly disguised as a billiard table by my artistic blue-eyed cowboy, we were already full. But we took it slowly and did justice to the fish and chips using a deep fryer outside so as not to stink up the house. Shepherd's pie, steak pudding, peas, Brussels sprouts, and more potatoes, bread, champagne. For afters, we had a trifle with banana custard in it, mmm, topped with cream, raspberries, and chocolate, an apple crisp with whipped cream, and my Bakewell tart. Then, as if that wasn't enough, we finished off with strong cheeses and homemade port. I didn't feel as if I ate that much, but I was so full. There was a funny observation made at the table about our barista daughter checking her iPhone while some of the diners played cat's cradle with the twine I'd wrapped around the cutlery in true pub style. When I was your age, he said, we played with string and liked it. Too true. <laughs> My Texan went down to Corpus this week to take our teacher daughter, her new Rosabella PT Cruiser. He left in the morning and drove all day by himself, but the weather was fair, so no natural distractions. He spent two days getting her old car roadworthy to drive home after she finished work on Wednesday. They drove through the night, and I told my cowboy not to be brave and refuse to share the driving or take any risks, and he said, Are you calling me brave? <laughs> my youngest daughter and I were at home alone. It's been years since I've been in the house by myself, and I was reminded of the early days with children and a husband on the road for months on end. How did I do it? We went shopping, Dorts and I, for Thanksgiving groceries. We cooked, we had dinner together, and we watched a film in the nest, and the sun stayed out, which helped with our spirits. Well, that's me for another week. Have fun on your own. Miss me, won't you? This week will we'll revolve around my visiting daughter, a movie, shopping, and lots of talking. 
And I'll be here, same time, same place, on Toganet Radio next week. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children, who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Toganet Radio, my guest, Jessica Bowman, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindale, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, Christine, Joel, Laura, and many others who are part of my growing audience. And don't forget to listen to my friend, Ali Lepreet, with This Little Parent Stayed Home, Mondays at 7 Central, and Sandy Fowler of Hartfield Holidays, also on Mondays at 1 Central. And I've got Sandy is going to be with me on uh, my Christmas show, and I've got some other visitors and guests all ready for you for the Christmas and New Year shows, so you'll want to tune into those. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Number six, verses 24 to 26. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginat. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who are willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So, we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNenny. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com.